We are continuing this week in our sermon series, Family Matters, as we look at some of our earliest ancestors in the faith. Today we conclude our story about Jacob the Hustler. Our text this morning is Genesis 33, verses 1 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and the children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And finally Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, to find favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please, if I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand, for truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. Please accept my gift that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have everything I want. So he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us journey on our way, and I will go alongside you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and the flocks and the herds which are nursing are a care to me, and if they are overdriven for one day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly according to the pace of the cattle that are before me, and according to the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord in Seir. So Esau said, Let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, Why should my Lord be so kind to me? So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the place is called Succoth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Prince of Peace. Amen. You remember the story. Jacob and Esau, twin brothers, sons of Isaac and Rebekah. When Rebekah was pregnant, the Lord spoke to her, telling her that two nations were in her womb, But against all expectations, the elder would serve the younger. And Jacob did his best to make sure that came true. 
Not only did he manipulate Esau into selling him his rights as firstborn son, but when their father was old and blind, Isaac was deceived by Jacob into giving him the blessing that rightly belonged to Esau, saying, May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Remember those words. Well, when Esau returned from the fields and discovered what his brother had done, he became enraged and vowed to kill Jacob. So Jacob went on the run, and he went off to the land of Haran to live with his uncle Laban. During that time, God blessed Jacob enormously, giving him a large family and vast wealth. But after 20 years away, God spoke to Jacob, telling him that it was time to come home. So Jacob packed up his family and his servants and his flocks and all his goods, and he began the long journey back to Canaan. Before they arrived, however, Jacob sent a servant on to find his brother Esau to let him know that Jacob was on his way home with all of his possessions in tow. The servant returned, saying that Esau was on his way to meet them, along with 400 men. And Jacob was terrified. For not only was his life at great risk, but now he had so much to lose. That's what most of our fears are really all about, aren't they? Losing something. And we certainly fear losing many things. Our jobs, our health care, our health, our wealth, our loved ones. As Americans, we fear losing our way of life, our political power, our rights, our democracy. We fear losing decency and civility in our society. We fear losing a direction for our country or our church that matches up with what we believe. There are so many things in this life of which we are afraid. And yet over and over again throughout the Bible, God commands us to not be afraid, but to put our trust in him. Unfortunately, trusting God had never been Jacob's strong suit. And despite the promise that God had given to Rebekah that it was Jacob who was going to come out on top, not Esau, Jacob did his best to manipulate his way into achieving that blessing, and he caused a lot of pain and broken relationships in the process. And yet, God still blessed Jacob mightily because, well, our God keeps his promises. But now all those blessings were at great risk. And Jacob is beside himself because he's finally encountered a situation in life that he cannot manipulate or run away from. His family is in danger, and he's powerless to protect them. 
So Jacob does the only sensible thing to do when you are afraid and you realize that you are not actually a god. He prays. And Jacob reminds God of God's promise to do good to Jacob and to multiply his offspring. And Jacob acknowledges that everything he has is a gift from God saying, I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown me. For with only my staff, I crossed the Jordan. And now I have become a great company. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I am afraid of him. He may come and kill us all. Not fully trusting in God yet, however, Jacob takes hundreds of animals from his flocks and he sends them on ahead as a peace offering in an attempt to appease Esau from his wrath and perhaps buy a little mercy. And after getting his family settled, Jacob headed off on his own into the night, unable to sleep, anxious about what the morning would bring. And you know what that's like, don't you? When worries of tomorrow take hold in the night and you stay awake wrestling with them until dawn, pleading with God to, to show up and do something. Jacob just didn't expect God to respond so literally. For when Jacob was alone in the night, the Bible tells us that a mysterious person came and wrestled with him until daybreak. The prophet Hosea later describes this, this man as an angel, but the text makes it clear that we're supposed to understand this all-night wrestling match as Jacob contending with God himself. And as the morning approached, Jacob's stubbornness refused to surrender, and so the man struck Jacob on the hip, damaging it badly. But Jacob still refused to, to release this man, saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man then gives Jacob a new name, Israel, and he gives him his blessing. And when the sun came up, Jacob discovered that he was there alone and was amazed that he was still alive, saying, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. But Jacob was left with a severe limp. The truth is, it is impossible to wrestle with the living God and not be changed by the encounter. I actually think this is why many of us prefer to remain in the shallow end of our faith as we fear what changes God might bring or ask of us if we dive in all the way, like tithing perhaps, or serving as a leader in the church. As if Jesus didn't make it very clear that we had to lose our lives as we know them for his sake if we were ever going to truly find the blessed life that he was dying to give us. For as the cross reveals, with God, we always have to lose in order to gain. 
Because God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And now Jacob has lost his greatest strength for hustling his way through life. He can no longer run away. Now he is truly dependent on the power of God for deliverance. So Jacob returns to his family and when he sees Esau approaching in the distance, he goes on ahead by himself to meet Esau on his own. And as he goes, he bows down before Esau seven times on the ground, thus attempting to give back to Esau the blessing that he had tricked their father into giving him. And to Jacob's amazement, rather than sending the 400 men to attack, Esau came running ahead on his own. And he came to his brother and wrapped his arms around him and kissed him. And they stood there together and wept. And then Esau looked up and asked who all these people were with Jacob. He said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. And then all of Jacob's family bowed down before Esau. And when Esau asked what was meant by all the, the flock and animals that Jacob had sent on ahead, Jacob said, a gift to, to appease my Lord, again attempting to give back the blessing and show his subservience to Esau. But Esau would have none of it. For he refused to engage with Jacob as anything other than an equal, a twin, saying, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob, amazed at the grace and the mercy that Esau showed him, insisted that, that Esau keep it all no longer as a guilt offering, but now as a token of his gratitude because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have everything I want. Finally, after years of conning his way through life, trying to manipulate his way into achieving the blessing that God had already promised to give him, regardless of how many broken relationships he left in his trail, Jacob finally realizes that everything in his life that truly matters to him was but a gift from God. Undeserved blessings from the one who always keeps his promises. And so Jacob gives up his compulsive desire to attain more blessings for himself and even to hoard what he has. For when you are overwhelmed with gratitude for the grace and the blessings that you have been given by the God of grace and mercy, you just can't help but want to share it. You also can't help but be a lot more gracious to the people in your life who have hurt you. And clearly, Esau has been on his own journey with our wrestling God, 
who has also blessed Esau greatly and changed his heart as well. Truth is, the only way we are ever going to be able to make peace with our adversaries, those with whom we disagree or those who have hurt us, is if we first spend time wrestling with the God who longs to bless us and to heal our relationships. Otherwise, we will always seek to win or to be right, rather than to be reconciled as Christ commands. And so rather than always praying that God would change the other person, perhaps we should spend more time praying that we might be changed. Trusting that our reconciling God is at work in ways we cannot always see and that God desires to bless and to heal us all. And whether the other person is changed or not, Jesus still commands us to love them, especially other Christians, even if they're still the same pain in the neck they've always been. Even if they're political opinions are completely insane to us, even if they don't much act like followers of Jesus. Our job is to make sure that we always do, remembering that they are still our brothers and sisters in Christ who commanded us to love one another as we have been loved by him who died for us while we were still his enemies saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But first, we have to be humbled and changed by Jesus, letting go of our pride and our need to win or to be right, and seeking instead Christ's healing and peace. And I have to say, having been your pastor now for a year, I believe that this congregation is still in need of Christ's healing and peace. For while there has been some healing and reduced division from the disagreements and wounds of recent years, there are still some hard feelings and a great deal of mistrust in this church, some of which that goes back quite a ways. And yet Jesus calls all of us to be like Esau, reconcilers and forgivers, letting hurt from the past stay in the past and seeking the hope and the promise of a new day trusting that our God is still sovereign and still the God of blessings, who is able to carry out his saving work among us regardless of who wins an argument. And be very sure, we all lose when we do not treat one another as Christ commands. And unfortunately, our story of Jacob and Esau does not turn out quite as blissfully as we might have hoped. 
despite all the promises that God had kept, despite the ways that God had blessed him beyond Jacob's imagination and even beyond anything that he could have possibly deserved, despite the way that Esau received him with such grace and kindness and mercy, Jacob could not completely surrender to the reconciling power of God. And in the end, he resorts to his old deceiving ways, pretending to accept Esau's gracious offer of hospitality, but instead turning in a different direction once Esau was out of sight. It turns out, we cannot finally leave our old ways behind without being changed by the cross and the Prince of Peace who died there for us so that we might become a new creation, instruments of his healing and reconciling power in this world. In the, end, in the end, Jacob could not fully trust in the faithfulness and the promises and the healing power of God. The question is, do we?